Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, we'll go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. Although today, instead of the We See You segment, we're going to present some ways to give direct aid to organizations uh, helping uh, mitigate the horrific crisis in Afghanistan, because it's important to focus on that for a little bit. Um, But just a reminder, if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us. It really helps other people discover us, um, and we always welcome feedback or communication via our social media, FWM Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and Feminists Without Mystique on Instagram, or you could also support us on Ko-fi. That's K-O-F-I dot com. Just search Feminists Without Mystique. Um, and the positive reviews on, uh, Apple podcasts always brighten our day, week, month. Um, one that was really fun was uh, a five-star review a couple of years ago, actually, but you can, I just wanted to call it out because it's fun and you don't necessarily have to write us a review that makes a whole lot of sense. Like this one from BCP 1990 with like four exclamation points. You could just say, marry me. I love this podcast. <laughs> so, love it. Always love a proposal. We love a proposal in an Apple podcast review. Um, yeah. So uh, keep those reviews, um, ratings and reviews coming. Uh, we love it and it helps people find us. Yeah. You'll never know if we're going to say yes unless you ask. You know, and You have to ask. <laughs> um, and actually, before we get into our main topic, uh, I had complicated feelings or not so complicated, but they were, you know, made me feel bad about myself when I saw the uh, New York Times push alert that Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, he has COVID. Wow, tested positive for COVID. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I saw in, I think it was Dallas County yesterday that their their children's ICUs are full. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Texas is very hardly hit. Hardly hit. (laughs) That has the opposite meaning. Interesting how the English language works. Yeah. Uh, It was hit quite hard, um, particularly in various areas like Dallas. So, and Greg, Greg's been kind of a shit bag. Um, he's vaccinated and he's doing fine. Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's good to get vaccinated, but, uh, he's got COVID. Hmm. Yeah. It also has been reported that he, uh, got a monoclonal antibody infusion as soon as he tested positive. Um, you know, so this is someone who has been vaccinated. He's gotten a booster shot, like, um, with his resources, booster dose before they were available to others, and a monoclonal antibody infusion. Um, but he's telling people not to worry about COVID while his ICUs are totally filled up, and people who are immunocompromised haven't even had access um, yet to a booster vaccine. So, and monoclonal antibodies are hard to get to people who need them. So it's just like, oh, the hypocrisy is disgusting. It sure is. It sure is. It's like when, or it reminds me a bit of when Trump was, had his little COVID moment and he got everything in the kitchen sink thrown at him, even though he was quite a barrier to others getting any sort of help um, or even, you know, following precautions or having accurate information. So it's interesting. It's interesting. It quite a barrier. Mm. Uh, mm. Mm. Um. 
Another thing happening in the news, which we'll get into in another episode, but it just feels like really bad that there's hot take. Come to Feminist Without Mistake. (laughs) Come to us for the really incisive commentary. Um, Made me feel bad and it's all bad, bad things. Bad. Um, Another bad thing is there was another earthquake in, in Haiti and it seems like that that country cannot catch a break. I mean, they just were uh, trying to recover from the assassination of their president. Um, Obviously, or not so obviously, but like their country was um, severely hurt by uh, an earthquake about 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. Um, And they've never really been able to recover from that. And like, there's been a lot of corruption and misuse of the aid, not not necessarily by them, but by aid organizations, like people are just profiting instead of giving the aid to the people on the ground who need it. And anyway, there was another horrible earthquake where over 1300 people are confirmed to have died um, Mm -hmm. in this earthquake and numbering in the thousands of injured people, hospitals are totally incapacitated. And there's a limit to what international aid can be given to them because of uh, a hurricane that was, that is happening now, or, you know, a hurricane has basically threatened a recover rescue and recovery effort. Um, So that's happening and I don't want to minimize it, but it's just, it's really tough. It's just, my heart hurts for them yeah yeah it's they're just updated the numbers like within the within the last half hour i think um to at least 1900 dead and more than 6900 injured and um around 1.2 million people including 540,000 children have been impacted in some way by the earthquake which was a 7.2 magnitude and like you said grace which is the uh, either tropical storm or a hurricane um, is further impacting access to water and shelter and elect- like things you need. Um, and then if there's flooding and mudslides, it'll get harder to help the people who need help there. So it's, you know, the earthquake happened and a lot of people died and were injured. And then now um, the that whole situation is exacerbated by this, um, this storm that's coming. So it's really... Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, it's awful. You know, it's it's hard to say how bad it is without feeling like you're minimizing it. But it's yeah. just a colossal, colossal um, tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. Well, moving from one colossal tragedy to another colossal tragedy. <laughs> um, the- Things are bad. <laughs> Yeah. See you next week. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a really awful situation that escalated very quickly uh, happening in Afghanistan. And now um, the Taliban control virtually the whole country, including the biggest city of um, Kabul. Um, Real quick, it happened. yeah. And just a little preface, we're not um, we're not purporting to be experts on the Middle East. Um, we understand we have a limited framework, um, but we've, you know, we've looked into it, we've done research, and we're just here to kind of offer 
what we've found to be going on as well as later ways to potentially help um, what's going on over there. So we've, we've been there for a very long time. Um, Bush dropped us on over there after September 11th saying that he wanted to drive out Taliban government um, because of the belief they sheltered Osama bin Laden. Um, there's, there's issues, there are issues around September 11th response <laughs> and Saudi Arabia hypocrisies and all kinds of things. But we, we went in there mm-hmm. then when Taliban was in rule and then we pretty much, we pretty much ousted them. And now, you know, um, Biden pulled us out and Taliban are in rule again. Um, We'll talk about what that has meant and what that could potentially mean now. But the uh, the concerns that people are having have to do with the fact that when the Taliban was ruling before, um, they would carry out executions by having people stoned in a soccer stadium. Um, they banned a lot of TV and music. Women and girls suffered disproportionately. They banned girls from going to school. Um, women were excluded from all kinds of, um, all kinds of activities, basically not basically, but they were secondhand, second uh, class citizens to put it lightly. Um, and now we have, there were no girls that were students. Um, and now we've have 9.5 million students in the country and 39% of those are girls. So there's a lot of concern around, um, what's going to happen to, to the rights of girls and women. Um, what can we expect to happen? Um, and so far, Taliban leaders have basically said, you know, we're, we're there's not going to be violence against women. There's not going to be prejudice against women, but Islamic values will be our framework. Um, women will be allowed to be active in society. We'll be allowed to work and study within the bounds of Islamic law. Um, so there's sort of... Uh, we don't really know what the what the plan is, and that is why there is this um, part of why there is this sort of panic about the rights of girls and women because of what happened before. Um, and yeah, plenty plenty more to say, but I'll leave a little intro there uh, for now. And also worth noting that in July, seventy three percent of Americans agreed that we should leave Afghanistan. Um, so it's, it wasn't an unpopular decision to leave, but the issues people are having, uh, have to do with how it was done. Um, because it seemed, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not an expert in how to withdraw uh, all those troops from a country. Um, but it seemed to be, uh, more of a hot mess than it potentially needed to be, um, you know, you had people swarming the airport. Uh, people, I think seven people died trying to, like, falling off of a plane that was taking off because they were so desperate to flee, because they were so afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be a whole other discussion about whether it was appropriate for us to go in the first place. What's the line between being a humanitarian or offering aid or trying to um, promote women and girls' rights to trying to kind of rule over, you know, it's there's all kinds of discussions that could happen with that. But the point is, we were there uh, for a long time. We pieced out in a way that um, 
led to a very quick uh, takeover by Taliban and the U.S. trained troops, it sounds like, just kind of left um, or fled um, and were kind of, that's the, the spark notes, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good summary. Um, the Taliban takeover happened quickly and, according to Biden, much quicker than he and um, his military advisors were expecting. Um, we had begun officially withdrawing in May of 2021, and that was um, based on an agreement that Trump had reached with the Taliban to withdraw forces. So Biden, when he got into um, office, decided to continue with the Trump with Trump's um, agreement with the Taliban. Um, and but again, it was so confusing because it was like it was supposedly um, Biden felt like they, that it seems like Biden and his military advisors thought that um, the country and especially the city of Kabul would be safe from the Taliban, a Taliban takeover for at least a year was sort of the timeline that they thought they had. Um, But on Sunday, I mean, this honestly was head spinning how fast all this happened, at least in terms of from if, if anything can be judged by New York Times push alerts, which for me, the last few days, it was like, oh, the Taliban is increasing, um, increasing their presence. They're taking the cities. They're taking cities. They're getting closer to Kabul. They've taken Kabul. Oh, and then the president, um, Ashraf Ghan, fled the country um, saying that he wanted to uh, he, that there would be more violence if he stayed. So he fled to, I think, Uzbekistan. Um and left millions of Afghans just totally high and dry in terms of trying to figure out where they could seek asylum and where to who who, who to turn to. Um, this this disaster, um, I think, is going to be what Biden like. This is going to be a major legacy point for him. I think this is like his Katrina. This is going to be. I mean, the images of the poor desperate people clinging to that airplane and falling and dying. You're right. I think it was seven people who fell to their deaths. Um, and like the videos are just completely devastating. And that was, that was, those are, those are preventable deaths. This is preventable desperation. These are people who helped our troops. They helped, um, they helped international diplomacy. They were, uh, they believed in this, idea that the U.S. was was trying to this humanity, these humanitarian ideas, the ideas of democracy that we were that we came in there with. And they worked with us. They worked for us. And we, at a minimum, owed them safe haven and asylum. And the fact that we've only shipped maybe 2000 to maybe 2000 to 5000 people and processed their visas and are blaming it on bureaucratic nonsense is unacceptable. Get them out. And you and they should have been gotten out before all this shit hit the fan. And this should have all been able to be anticipated. And so that's kind of like my my takeaway, my overview takeaway is just frustration and disgust at the way that this was so poorly executed by a president who constantly was talking about his foreign policy experience and being respected on on an international stage 
for him to come out then, and you know, we will get to it in more detail, but he has been defiant. He has stood by this decision. And it's this is someone who, again, not only has he has he has he constantly talked about his foreign policy experience, but he was supposed to be like Uncle Joe, Mr. Humanitarian, like caring about caring about people. He's he he connects on a person to person level so that he could come out after everyone saw the those that plane footage, the airport footage, the we have heard from these desperate people who are sheltering in place, which basically means like, oops, sorry, you're not at the airport. IDK, hide, you know, like utterly inadequate. But to to hear from him then, this man who is supposed to, supposed to be uh, the empathetic, um, ep- empathetic Uncle Joe, President Joe Biden, uh, for him to basically not really acknowledge or apologize or speak to the pain and suffering that his callous and and clumsy policy here has has all, all of the suffering that it is causing in real time was dis- disgusting to me disappointing disheartening yeah it's like why i get that they thought they had more time but a year like how is your intelligence so bad um and why wasn't there a plan to get the people out of there safely that needed to get out of there safely? You know, it's not, I'm not saying we need it. We should have been in Afghanistan forever. Um, But there was a hope that, you know, with that decision to leave after decades, Mm -hmm. that that came with a plan that involved taking care of the people who needed it. Um, because that didn't happen um you know and he yeah like you said he pretty much um in his speech he defended um his strategy for ending you know ending our time there which again most people had agreed Mm -hmm. that we should probably stop (laughs) you know that we should probably get out of there in some capacity Mm -hmm. um so he was spending a lot of time defending that, which I don't think that aspect needed defending because like I said, in July it was over 70% of Americans were like, yeah, mm-hmm. we should probably, we should probably get out of there. Um, we've been there for a very long time. Um, and he, you know, he said that it unfolded more quickly than we had anticipated. And he said the buck stops with him. Um, but he also was pointing blame uh, like he said, the buck stops with me, but he was also kind of assigning blame to um, the people of Afghanistan. Uh, he began with blame and yeah. he ended with blame. He was victim blaming. He was blaming Trump. He was blaming like Bush and Obama. I mean, he just was like, and then, yeah, that was, that was so fr- like, that is yeah. a gaslighting. Like I'm going to talk straight to you and the buck stops with me, but it's like, but let me talk about all <laughs> And it's no. like, yeah, there are, criticisms to be made toward Bush, toward Trump, toward Obama, toward every president before now on Afghanistan. I don't disagree with that, but that's not what we're, we need to talk about right now. You know, there's a time and a place to kind of rehash the, the mistakes of this saga of our, you know, essential occupation of Afghanistan. But in this moment, that's not what we needed. That wasn't helpful what we needed from him was how 
not fix this because you can't really fix it, but how mm-hmm. are we going to course correct here to better take care of the people who need it? Um, like you said, they haven't taken very many. Uh, we haven't taken very many refugees because of the bureaucratic red tape, which like shouldn't that red tape have been cut bef- when this plan was being implemented? Mm-hmm. Um, Canada, I guess, has agreed to take 20,000 refugees, which is a good start, but we're, uh, yeah, we're uh, not, uh, not uh, doing so high. He was surprisingly um, kind of callous uh, yeah. in his speech. Like he delivered, it, it was well delivered, I say with a big asterisk in that, you know, he was, yeah. He knew how he felt, and he was articulating himself, I think, the way he wanted to. It's just not um, what I think needed to or should have been articulated. Um, yeah, you don't need to defend leaving Afghanistan. You don't mm-hmm. need to blame others for the mistakes that they made. There's time and place. <laughs> not right now. Yeah. Um, you just need to acknowledge how rushed and faulty the plan to get out was and how it's going to, you know, improve going forward. Right. This is not, um, this is not what America is supposed to stand for ever, ever, but on an international stage, I mean, like we had already lost so much credibility with Trump in office. Mm -hmm. And this is just further reinforcing that loss of credibility, um, in the eyes of like everyone, just this massive failure. Um, this is, it's especially kind of poignant because it's, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary this year of 9-11. And to really think about, first of all, you and I were 10 or 11 years old when that ha- when 9-11 happened. So this has been our, <laughs> feeling like the majority of our lives has revolved. There's been this like um, war in the background, you know, in the Middle East that's been vague and not made a whole lot of sense and cost a lot of lives and a lot of money, um, cost a lot of U.S. lives, but even more so more Afghani lives um, in terms of the tallies that I've seen, at least. Um, and when Bush went in, he was pretty specific and pretty broad about his in, the interests in, in helping Afghanistan democracy build. Um, and nation build. And so for Biden to come in at the beginning of his speech and say, we were never in Afghanistan to nation build, I my stomach dropped because I just thought like, we were actually explicitly like Bush had an ambitious goal. And whether or not he was, if it was a cynical goal or not, he did say we were in there for to, to, to help um, build a democracy. He said he cared about the the welfare of women in Afghanistan um, because they were under the oppressive oppressive regime of the Taliban from like uh, bless you Thank like you. 1996 to 2001. So it was women were better off objectively like for a while when the U.S. came in. Um, but I. I worry on a on a domestic on the, on the domestic um, front that this is going to be basically like the end of Biden getting anything done. We were, he was so close to the infrastructure bill. And I just, I think that's going to go out the window. And that's pretty sad because 
he was so close there. We were like going to get an infrastructure bill. And now it feels like, is he going to get anything done for the rest of his presidency? Because yeah. he has, this has really united Democrats and Republicans in, in disgust. And I know that a lot of Republicans are just grabbing onto this convenient. Oh, love it. I hate seeing Mitch McConnell. Like, Oh, mm, ah, like, Mitch McConnell, Mike Pompeo, like John Bolton, all these bloated assholes who like Mike Pompeo has a picture with like the head, the leader of the Taliban. So it's like, get the fuck out of here with your opinion. Like, mm-hmm. suck. you're the worst. Like, just get out. <laughs> like, you're... Anyway, like these men are awful and I don't care at all what they have to say. Um, even Ben Sass, one of my least favorite people, like also weighed in. So there's lots of um, people who are weighing in cynically politically but i think like a lot of americans that are just kind of like consider themselves relatively in the middle if you're like a moderate democrat if you're a moderate republican if you're a liberal democrat there's like a huge majority of americans who are just gonna kind of like last year this is as soon as i'm saying this it's not going to be a good comparison but last year when a lot when a lot of people saw the george floyd um murder there was ever, like a, a massive groundswell of of everyone who saw that video saying this is wrong. Mm-hmm. We need to fix p- police brutality. This kind of thing with the air, the airport footage and that just everyone becoming aware of this. There's this. It feels like a groundswell of Americans are saying this was wrong. This is no way to treat people who were our allies and who we were working with and for for 20 years and who believed in us and they put their lives and their children's lives, their families' lives, their careers, everything into this belief that that and and trust in America and in broadly in democ- democratic humanitarian aims. And that disgusting display at the airport at our hands from from our side was just devastating and unacceptable and people should be apologetic and contrite at a very fucking minimum and so you know when when Biden came out and was like not focusing at all on the poor execution there or on the 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 humanitarian display that that is the cause of his his decisions um I, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to be a major defining part of his legacy, which also, by the way, one of the other things that he kept saying in his speech, I will not pass this responsibility and this on to a fifth president. <laughs> like, you know, or I forget who said it, um, but they were like, you have three more years, man. Like, it's not like the next president's coming right up you could have taken your time at finishing this in a like extracting us military and all the thousands of afghanis who helped us interpreters and you know everyone you could have done it and not done it in this way so if we can't do anything if we can't do this right i mean we obviously this is feels like something that many people have said for a long time but this is just a a display of how we really shouldn't be helping, I'm putting helping in air quotes, interfering Mm -hmm. in countries uh, in this way. We make things worse, 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 worse. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it looks like there is bipartisan agreement that there should be some sort of investigation into how this was handled and how this came to be, which I think is good. What I, what I hate is what you brought up about the potential impact on other pieces of legislation on the infrastructure bill, because people can't separate out things from one another. Mm -hmm. You're just like, this happened, Biden bad, meh. Mm -hmm. Um, without realizing, well, there's nuance in the world and this infrastructure bill is actually a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. This decision is a bad thing. His, his speech where someone told him, be firm, and he just <laughs> ran with that. Um, he took that note. <laughs> he took that note and, hey, he accomplished that. 10 out of 10 <laughs> for that one, JoJo. Um, but it is frustrating that this is going to likely... Uh, negatively impact uh, bills and uh, policies that would help people um, because people have short attention spans and memories and just see something done wrong and then they just lose you know all all support or all hope in someone or something even though the infrastructure bill is so much deeper than joe biden you know Mm -hmm. um so that is uh frustrating and i hope we can still get shit done and it's you know we have bipartisan like uh support for not supporting this action by him you know which is also an interesting um it's almost like our conversation about uh sexual predators and how democrats hold their own accountable and republicans don't and it's Mm -hmm. you think back to the people the republicans blindly supporting trump maybe one or two here and there being like, that's a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just this blind support on the right that just doesn't exist on the left, um, which is good. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I wish the people on the right would see, like the the voters would see that and understand, like at least there's um, some morality and some backbone there. I mean, with exceptions, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am glad that we will hold him accountable don't get me wrong i just hope that doesn't bleed into other issues where um, his administration hasn't gone wrong you know yeah i totally totally agree um and i can't help but think you know this is this is biden is a product of his time his experience like and these are the ways in which that really fucked us here Mm -hmm. um and I am like positive this would never have unfolded this way with Elizabeth Warren in office. Oh, hell no. She would have had a plan. Uh, Her plan would have, she would have had plans on plans on plans within plans, on top Mm -hmm. of plans, surrounded by plans. Sub plans, plans with plans. Yeah, even if her intelligence told her it would take a year, she'd have the plan for what if, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm You know, it's yeah. We shouldn't speculate in general, but with I think Elizabeth Warren, we can speculate yeah. um, correctly here. And right. ugh, every I'm so irritated. She is not president. I know. I know. <sighs> every once in a while, we get these ripples of like real frustration and reminders that oh yeah, we have Biden, and this wasn't really a ripple. This was our own personal, uh, you know, rumbling over here, just like. Yeah. Fuck. This well, is why I didn't want him. <laughs> we'll probably get our first woman president when a male president with a woman VP sexually harasses someone, you know. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe this one. Yeah, right. Whoa. Oh, I hope not. Um I know. 
<sighs> depressing. Hmm. Very, um, very depressing. Very yeah, depressing. Quite. Um, and yeah, and things just are. Banks apparently have run out of cash. Many have closed. Prices for food have skyrocketed in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also in a, another wave of COVID. Hospitals are are full. Um, there's just a lot. <laughs> there's a lot going on um, right now that we have exacerbated and it's it'll be interesting to that the taliban leadership is saying that they are more moderate now um and i mean there wasn't (laughs) going in the other direction didn't really seem possible yeah um and you know some people are like but they're still saying they're going to rule by islamic law but the thing is (laughs) that's a broad ass thing you know, yeah. just look at the different ways people interpret Christianity in this country. Mm-hmm. You have people on all sides of, you know, all across the political spectrum who say they're Christians. You know, you have, so it's not, because the fact that they say that they're going to rule with, um, based on Islam doesn't mean that it's going to be the way that it was. But the fact that it's the same group as it was before um, makes people a little nervy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are saying that, you know, like I said, that uh, they're cool with women working and going to school, um, but they've been vague about like in what capacity they will allow that. Um, they had a um, Taliban leader on an Afghani um, television show with a woman uh, mm-hmm. interviewing him. Which in the past they've had Taliban leadership on shows in other countries with women uh, interviewing, but never um, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yes, maybe this is a more moderate version of what it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't blame people for not wanting to stick around to find out when you know the punishment for not being the way they wanted you to be was death um and torture and things like that so yeah it's it'll be um we'll see what happens there uh yeah i you know i realized that actually how in reading all of the different coverage of this how I haven't seen a lot of pictures of women wearing burqas or niqabs, those the veils that cover the head and the entire body and the face. Like the burqa is the one with the mesh window across or like grill across the eyes that a woman could see out of. And the niqab is the one that um, doesn't usually cover the eyes, um, but covers you from head to foot other than the eyes. So, but I realized that I hadn't like you hadn't seen that in a really long time actually because the Taliban haven't been like fully in control of of places like Afghanistan for 20 years so there are far less people having to wear having having to wear the burqa having that imposed on them um and i saw like a depressing thing about sales of burqas have gone up you know through the roof in Afghanistan because men are buying them for their wives and their sisters and their daughters out of fear mostly making sure that they're going to be covered and okay in this new world. Um, and like you say, it's really, uh, I mean, already, um, 
apparently all like um, billboards or commercials, any sort of imagery that included women um, have been, are, are being painted over already. Women are not out and about now. They're basically hiding in their homes because they don't really know what, how they'll be greeted if they're out, even with a hijab. Um, so everyone's just terrified and staying at home if they're a woman. And that's really kind of like scary and sad and, um, I think that there's a lot of um, uh, the international community, it, se it, it seems broadly, and I, I would agree with this, think that um, the Taliban are basically just holding their fire for now. Um, and they're waiting because it's really in their best interest to just let the U.S. and the international community with their tail between their legs, like finish evacuating the airport and just leave. Um, without more violence, and then they can impose um, whatever um, agenda they want um, on on their own people. Um, so that's, I think that that's, I think that there will be broad, broad scale violence and oppression, even if it's not on the same level as like where they were as a group in 2001. Um, I'm a little like frustrated at some of the news that I've seen where it's like, maybe the Taliban won't be super <laughs> repressive. It's like, what type of fucking think piece? I mean, I get that you want clicks, but like, are you that desperate? That's the- Maybe they'll shit. be chill now. <laughs> like, like, yeah, no, like no. it- mm. No. Seems, yeah, because I, I mean, that is, it, it is, it would be bad strategy to do anything other than say that they'll be- um, more moderate and more you know into women's rights um but how open they left that is gives them a lot of room um to say yes women can have jobs these are the two jobs they can have mm -hmm. if they do anything else they'll be stoned you know um or you know reinstating making women forcing women to wear burqas and things again which there's nothing wrong with a woman who chooses um, because of her faith to wear burqas or hijabs but when it's mandated and with severe punishments if you don't follow and abide by that that's the that's the problem um and yeah there were like i said when uh we got there there were zero girls in school um and we know how important it is for girls to have access to education so it'll be i mean I don't even know what word to choose to to watch and see what happens um, there. And I just hope that everybody who wants to leave um, is able to do so and seek safe refuge. And yeah, and I hope that um, this round of Taliban rule will be like, be who you are. <laughs> <laughs> we love all. Cool. Let's all be buds. But um, a little nervy. Doesn't yeah. seem. I mean, I guess stranger things have happened. It's 2021. Who knows? Um, but based on the track record of this specific um, group, um, not so not so sure about that. And, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And being less strict than they were leaves a lot of leeway. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, there's not there's not too much further they could have gone in the other direction. So. Um, yeah, they've very, the bar low. Very scary time to be a woman or a girl in Afghanistan, not knowing what is to come, or a queer person, or you know, pretty much 
but most groups of humans. Most groups of humans, really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry that there'll be like a whisper campaign for you to just whisper to someone like, uh, oh, this person helped the U.S., you know, and then bang, like that person's mm-hmm. gone. Um, it doesn't yeah. have to even be real, but it's just like everyone telling on each other and, I mean, just complete yeah. chaos. It's yeah. also concerning that like this is probably going to be a space where, well, there are concerns that Al-Qaeda will be able to get um, a foothold and be able to be allowed um, under this Taliban regime, even though the Taliban have said they're not going to allow that. Again, I feel like that's just pandering to the international community because this is such a topsy-turvy, volatile moment that they're trying to say what people want to hear. Um, but probably Russia and China are going to be able to do a lot of a lot of business with the Taliban and in Afghanistan and between Iran, Russia, China, Afghanistan. It's really looking to be kind of a spooky situation going on over there. Um, I think it was NPR. They were talking about how China has um, they have some mines in Afghanistan and they have like well-paved roads to get to the mines that they need to get to in Afghanistan. And perhaps now that there's no U.S. presence, the a, a Chinese presence will become much more pronounced and they actually will build more infrastructure as they get a major foothold in Afghanistan. And it just seems like we are not on a path uh, for good things um, if we have this like... Uh, <laughs> axis of evil uh <laughs> to use like again tv throwback i know axis um, of evil. axis of evil um to uh that it just is going to create more instability meanwhile the u.s and and um our european allies nato and canada and we're just all not really we're not our best selves at the moment um and we're not on the same page so to have any sort of like unified um, response to these threats feels um, like a long shot. Um, so it does broadly, this type of, this news makes me sad um, just from the reality of what's happening. But then when I also kind of like zoom out and think about how, again, like this is a reality that we faced when when Trump was elected, but the, the way that I thought that we were all moving towards like, a progressive global society um, and broadly things were getting better, it's very hard to not, to have to kind of compute and, and understand like things are are not broadly getting better on a global scale right now. Um, they're, it's, progress should never be taken for granted. Um, social progress, political, economic, um, and uh, it does make me feel very, very destabilized, um, and, and sad. And like you say, there's, it's, it's really hard to find words that are, that, that capture how, um, disappointing this is and, and, and calling it also calling it a national or international embarrassment for the U S is also feels minimizing. Cause like, Oh, sorry, you're embarrassed. You know, people are, people are dying and, you know, like I would refer everyone to the um, New York Times Daily from yesterday that was talking. They identified this woman who was giving sending voice memos to the New York Times. They identified her as R, and she's a woman who um, has some sort of role in 
she's a woman in, in politics and in, in edu- leading education in Afghanistan and is very much in danger, her and her family, now that she's stuck in um, Afghanistan. And she wasn't sure at, as of the recording whether or not she is able to going to be able to get out. Like she said, the U.S. and Canada were like not able to give her a real answer. Um, and so anyway, it's just like I think about that woman and when she talked about how ashamed she was that she believed us, you know, and believed in democracy and believed in what we said we were going to help people fight for. Um, it really just, yeah, it makes my heart hurt. Yep. Well, uh, <laughs> there's a, yeah, I think, is there anything else you want to say before we move to not, not we see you's, but Ways Something to help? else, yeah. Ways to help. What's a catchy way you can do it? No, I think that um, sums it up for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, and now for ways to help. <laughs> all righty. Um, so, an organization you can donate to, get involved with, is called No One Left Behind. Um, it's the only, uh, nationwide nonprofit that is committed to ensuring that America keeps its promise to our allies and their families who risk their lives for us. Um, this includes people like interpreters. Um, they state that they've recorded over 300 interpreters and their family members killed because of their association with the United States. Um, this organization provides emergency financial aid and used vehicles to interpreters, um, Last year, they helped over 600 families in 93 cities and 20 states. With, uh, but for every family that they could help, there were four more waiting. So basically, they help um, translators and others who have helped the United States um, get here. And then once they're here, they help them with aid, vehicles, things like that. So no one left behind, um, which is a... I think a clever play on no child left behind, but an actual good thing um, is one uh, organization that you can uh, support. Yes. Um, Another one, this is the one that I donated to yesterday uh, is women for women international. Um, They are providing emergency support for Afghan, Afghan women, but they work um, in uh, like, they work globally, South Sudan, Rwanda, Iraq, Nigeria, Kosovo, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Bosnia and Herzegovina, but they're, they're, the work with Afghanistan is in conflict resp- response and global policy and advocacy. Um, and in Afghanistan, um, they're able to um, provide direct aid, um, and it seems like a good way to reach women in Afghanistan, I I will be perfectly honest in, in researching ways to help. I was a little, it it made me sad, nervous. I don't know a lot of like phrases, um, because this is going to sound bleak, but like the reality on the ground is that women are, women and girls are basically in hiding right now. And most international aid is is just not able to reach them because mm-hmm. they're all sheltering in place. They're all yeah. terrified. Banks are closed. Banks are closed. So they can't, right. And, and that's another like, 
this maybe we can bring our boyfriends slash husbands on and talk about a uh, Bitcoin utility here. But it was it was something that people on the Internet were saying, like, this is another um, use case for for Bitcoin, because when banks are closed, when there are runs on the bank banks, you can't access your money or inflation makes renders it completely useless. Um, Bitcoin, you don't run into either of those issues and it's easier to send people money that way and it won't lose value. Um, at least again, this is only, I'm basically parroting things that I've heard slash read by way of my, my boyfriend. Um, but it does seem it, there's a lot of people out there pointing to Bitcoin, um, in this instance, but, um, the violence and uncertainty that Afghan women are facing right now, um, Women for Women International is um, a good um, place to put your money because they will they will make sure that it is um, distributed as impactfully as possible um, by connecting them to other like connecting your money to other like local networks um, and to help to help the women that are um, in desperate need right now. So Women for Women International with a very with a side note that like it's pretty dark right now and you just kind of have to like pick one of a few places and just hope, but you can't, I wouldn't like overthink. I was kind of like, what else is reputable? I mean, we were fine. We've all three, we'll talk about our other reputable places, but like just give money to one of these places and cross your fingers because it seems pretty dark at the moment. Yeah. Um, Another organization is Vital Voices. Um, They partner with activists, uh, innovators, or entrepreneurs, um, all women who are working to um, tackle things like gender-based violence, um, gender-based inequities, things of that nature. And they've started a, um, a fund specifically for women in Afghanistan who are leaders in in some way so these women that have fought for equality that are now um under threat due to the potential ramifications of the taliban leadership that might not uh, like that very much so uh, vital voices is a great organization generally and now they have a separate fund set up specifically for the women in afghanistan who need uh support Yes. Um, The next one for me is um, coming from the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace and Security. Um, You can donate uh, through them to make a gift um, supporting humanitarian visas and um, the efforts to immediately evacuate high risk Afghan women or um, provide emergency humanitarian aid. Um, The Public Affairs Director Sarah Rutherford um, is having people reach out to her uh, directly at G-I-W-P-S at georgetown.edu to um, initiate making a a donation to Afghan women. Um, This is uh, another public policy uh, initiative that will help with um, directing your donation to safe houses, evacuations, visa applications, or Um, other emerging priorities. Um, Their director also wrote an opinion piece for the Washington Post here, um, four concrete actions the U.S. should take immediately to help Afghan women activists. Um, That was by Melanie Verveer. 
Um, and it seems like they are really pushing um, on the front lines, trying to advocate for more charter flight direct evacuations, um, reapportioning some of the um, billion dollar, 1.1 billion appropriated for Afghan refugees um, to be put uh, towards rescue efforts now, um, establishing a special parole, parole program for at-risk Afghan women, human rights defenders and activists and politicians, journalists, other highly visible women being targeted by the Taliban, and immediately establishing a high-level interagency re refugee coordinator to manage and process and um, manage refugee processing and relocation across the U.S. government. All right. And then last on my end um, is not an organization to donate to, but rather action to take. Um, calling your representative, which to find your representative, you can literally Google <laughs> who's my representative. And then it'll pull up a nice little website and can plug it in. Um, but calling your representative to uh, demand the continued security at Kabul airport so that flights can continue to operate safely so that we can help get people out of there to demand a more open door refugee policy um, so that the people that need to leave Afghanistan can leave safely and to demand broadening visa eligibility and expedite processing for SIV P1 and P2 visas. Some of these visas have wait periods of several years. Mm. Um, some are shorter, but all of them have significant wait times. So demanding an emergency um, solution to getting people out of there quickly so they don't have to wait for years that they don't potentially have to be able to get out of there. Um, so contacting a representative and asking for those three things and encouraging others to do so um, is another step that you can take that doesn't involve um, donating money. I'd I'd say pick some places to donate to and take action as well um, if you're able to. But I think taking action is incredibly important. Absolutely, yeah. There are so many ways. There are so many ways to to do it. Whether it's calling your representatives or donating or signing petitions, um, and there's also a really long list of ways to help Afghanistan. If you go to afghanistanmatters.card.co. Um, that's afghanistanmatters.card.co. It's basically one of those link trees that has tons of different things broken down by category on um, how to help different organizations and then what which ones they specify in, petitions to sign, all sorts of stuff, um, call to action. Um, another, um, my last thing is I noticed this, um, this is actually if you live in DC or the Seattle Tacoma area, Houston or Dallas Fort Worth area, you can actually help with airport pickups, um, apartment setups and meals. Um, there's a company called, um, the uh, what's Lutheran, Lutheran something it's through the Lutheran church. Um, but the site is lirsconnect.org. Um, and they've set up, um, a site on how to help our Afghan allies. And they're calling for volunteers um, to help. Um, you can donate. So there's donating to their Neighbors in Need Afghan Allies program, which helps provide food, housing assistance, clothing, and other basic needs to um, Afghanis um, while they wait for official services to help them when they get to the US. Um, but there, you can also pick them up from the airport help with um, if you have lodging um, and 
um, just be there for mentorship or education or tutoring. So there are all these services that it seems like you can um, sign up for if you're feeling kind of powerless and have like time to give or, you know, your car as car access or housing. So that is, again, that's lirsconnect.org. And I found that through a tweet by Travis Akers, um, at Travis Akers, A-K-E-R-S on Twitter. And he looks like he is a, he identifies as a progressive Baptist, U.S. Navy, um, he slash y'all, lol. Um, (laughs) But anyway, this guy um, tweeted out ways to help through the Lutheran church and it caught my eye because it was like, oh, Seattle, Tacoma, that's where we are. And I'm hoping that I can um, contribute something that way also. So check them out. And one bonus one um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, is called Miles for Letter for Migrants. And that's where you can donate if you have extra airline miles. Mm. um, You can donate airline miles, which will be used to book flights to fly displaced people um, to where they need to be going away from where they are. I love that. But I also just think like Delta should provide everyone with a free flight. If they're a migrant, like just do it, Delta. Don't take our miles away. (laughs) Delta. (laughs) Just do it. Just do it. Um, Delta. Yeah. If you're one of those person who's got hordes of miles, that's uh, something else you can do. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I'm burned on Delta right now, but it's all, (laughs) that's, that's a story for a different day. For another day. (laughs) Um, for a good thing, our girl Brittany Spears, <laughs> uh, Jamie Spears is going to uh, be taken off. He has agreed to be removed as her conservator. Um, and it looks like, you know, he says, and it seems like the news is that it'll go, you know, someone else will be her conservator, but hopefully just no one will be. Um, but mm-hmm. I think regardless, unless uh, the new conservator is like Voldemort, um, or Matt Gates, uh, she'll be in good shape. Um, and no one could be worse than Jamie Spears, knock on wood. So yeah. that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. Hopefully he'll get out they'll put someone else in and then no one will be there. And I saw something that was like, they should make Britney Spears the conservator of Jamie Spears, which I was like, yes, I yes. love that. Um, there's no legal precedent for that to happen, but I just loved the idea of it. Oh my like, God. Oh, you want to paint your cabinets to what color daddy? No. I'm toxic. You're slipping under. Exactly. You know? <laughs> All uh, right. Play for me. I could just keep going. You could. These are funny. <laughs> you could keep going. Of course. <laughs> Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.com slash podcast. Bye, everyone.